0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. When I first came to the decision to start interviewing artists for my podcast, I created a list of the different artists that I'd like to interview and Dame Olivia Newton-John was on top of the list. I reached out to a publicist, Michael Caprio, and he said at that time, unfortunately, she was not well and in treatment. He said I should follow up with him in a few months' time, which I did. Michael and I continued to liaise with each other over a period of about a year and a half, and then, unfortunately, Olivia passed on. I decided that I wanted to interview Michael for the podcast as a tribute to honor Dame Olivia Newton-John's memory. Olivia Newton-John was a British and Australian singer and actress. She was a four-time Grammy Award winner whose music career included 15 top 10 singles, including five number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 and two number one albums on the Billboard 200. Eleven of her singles and 14 of her albums have been certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. In 1978, Newton John starred in the musical film Grease, which was the highest grossing musical at the time and whose soundtrack remains one of the world's best selling albums. It features two major hit duets with co star John Travolta, You're the One That I Want, which is one of the best selling singles of all time, and Summer Nights. Her signature solo recordings include the record of the year Grammy winner I Honestly Love You, Physical. If Not For You, Banks Of Ohio, Let Me Be There, If You Love Me, Let Me Know, Have You Never Been Mellow, Sam, Hopelessly Devoted To You, A Little More Love, Twist Of Fate, Xanadu, Magic, and many, many more hit singles and albums. With global sales of more than 100 million records, Newton John established herself as one of the best-selling music artists of all time. Newton-John, who battled breast cancer three times, was an advocate and a sponsor for breast cancer research. In 2012, the Olivia Newton-John Cancer and Wellness Centre opened in her hometown of Melbourne, Australia. She was also an activist for environmental and animal rights causes. So up next on Celebs I'll be speaking to publicist Michael Caprio as a tribute to an icon of the industry, Dame Olivia Newton-John. Where do we find in the world, what's happening in your life, and how are you doing? Oh, well, thank you,
1: Barrett. Uh, I'm actually in my office here in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's a, uh, quite a brisk day for mm. this time of year for us, which I'm a little surprised because it was 80 degrees yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no global warming, though. It doesn't exist. Um, and I'm I'm doing, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, it's as everyone has experienced some kind of loss. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not been easy. I'm, uh, this time of year is always weird because it also happens upon uh, the anniversary of my mom's death. So yeah. um, that's uh, it's going to be my first one, you know, without having her as my support here. So yeah. uh, don't know what I'll be like on May 4th. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'll be sending you lots of love and positive and all that uh, healing energy. So thank you. as you guys heard in the intro, Mr. Michael Caprio is the or was the manager for the brilliant Miss... Dame Olivia Newton-John, so Michael, tell us, when did you start collaborating and working with Olivia?
1: Sure. Well, let me actually correct you. I'm actually her publicist. Oh, uh, publicist. Her, sorry, Mar- sorry.
0: My, um, no, it's okay. You know,
1: a lot of people get those confused. Yeah, uh, Mark, Hart- Mark Hartley, who is her manager, Um, you know, we're both still very much a part of the team and, uh, you know, moving forward with all of the, as you probably are aware, there's a lot coming up still with uh, reissues and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and my first time working with Olivia was, geez, I'm trying to go back. It's been since 1998. Um, I actually was Dee Dee Kahn's publicist. Um, oh, and nice. Dee, uh, Dee Dee was, I was on, I worked for a record company at the time. And well, actually just prior to that. And I had left the record company to think about starting my own company and, uh, was working with an artist, Jim Brickman, who, uh, toured with Olivia, uh, for a little bit. And, um, We were at the Greece premiere, the 20th anniversary, and Olivia was being pulled every direction you could possibly imagine. And I stood there with Didi, and the whole cast was there except for Travolta. So obviously, Didi and Olivia traveled together in the limo to the red carpet, all that. Uh, Chloe, I think, was about 10 years old, if I'm not mistaken. She was 10 or or 11. And um, it turned into one of those, uh, Didi, she's getting pulled everywhere. Can I go rescue her? And Dee, Dee said, Oh, honey, please. And I ran over, I grabbed Olivia and I said, Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Olivia needs to do one more interview. Can I please just I'll bring her back? I promise. And yeah. I opened this door. We walked out. We were at the Hollywood Palladium. That's where the party was. And the door closed and we were standing to one side is the door to the kitchen. And to the other side was a giant garbage dumpster. <laughs> and yes. Olivia looked at me like I kidnapped her or something. She's like, What are we doing out here? I said, you look like you needed saving. Yeah. And, uh, I said, you know, well, you know, just, I hope I didn't choose. No, no, thank you. So we stood out there for about 15, 20 minutes. Dee Dee came out to join us. And then a few days later, I walked into my office and there was a voicemail from Olivia saying, thank you. Uh, uh, I, you know, you took such good care of me and I had such a connection with you. Would you want to work together? And, uh, that was 1998. So I started doing some graphic design for her, doing tour programs, and then you know the the publicity. Obviously, that's what I do. So that was just the natural.
0: Oh wait, let's do that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was um, it was yeah, you know, it's been quite the journey, quite the adventures we've had.
0: So as you guys heard in the intro, I've been in com- with communication with Michael for a couple of years now, and I did mention when one email about the Grace and Gratitude album. And that whole journey of the healing of the body. Um, Can you give us a little bit more information about that and how that whole project came to be?
1: Well, you know, honestly, that project was really special. Um, You know, it was obviously after, you know, uh, Patrick had gone missing and that was a a journey for all of us, you know, in the camp. Um, And obviously Olivia and Amy Skye had worked together previously and, the two of them, I think it really started to be quite honest with you. I think it started with a conversation with Olivia and Amy. And, uh, you know, unless I'm mistaken, that's my recollection. Yes. <laughs> the old, the old brain isn't as, uh, <laughs> uh, Olivia used to joke. She goes, thank God you have a memory because I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was around that period. And, you know, it really just, it stemmed, I think, from that conversation. And obviously the situation we were all dealing with going through that loss and the discovery of the, you know, power of your inner self. And that was something Olivia was very, very much in tune with. You know, you, you, you could always tell. And again, Olivia, not to be crunchy granola or you know, super spiritual. Olivia truly, I mean, I learned a lot from her because she was very much about. If you think it it will happen yeah. so um so grace and gratitude i mean personally that's my husband and mine probably one of our favorite albums i mean of course i love all the pop you know physical and you know uh, all of you know totally totally hot's my favorite album, you know and uh i think from that a lot actually changed in her life musically which you know i I celebrated because I just saw her come to a whole new space, and at that point, I've only been with her for maybe eight years. I can't do the math mm. very well. I mean, she and I were, and we had one thing in common: not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> you can add uh, me to that uh, equation. Yeah. The three of us. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yes, I'm old school. I don't even have my iPhone all the time. I actually have one of these. <laughs> <Come to later. laughs> Brilliant. And I'm doing my taxes, so I have one of these. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was really how that came about. And, you know, then it, it kind of journeyed into another level. She, you know, obviously she had met john soon well she had known john obviously for years but that relationship blossomed and that was john's favorite album and uh, i remember in a conversation she wanted to do a, a live concert for a fundraiser for the kimmel center and my husband is a choreographer and she said randy i need you to direct and stage this show it's it's for one night only and uh, he had some very fun stories uh because they rehearsed it up in toronto with amy and then they all headed down to Philadelphia. And uh, Randy has a really cute story I won't ruin. <laughs> Let's just say they were in uh, the nicest hotel near the venue was off of a freeway. So it was not a four seasons or, you know, people have these yes. perceptions that Olivia, she's a star. She's, and don't get me wrong, we loved you know, lovely posh hotels. They yes. were nice too. She was more a boutique hotel. She liked not having huge lobbies and huge crowds. She liked yep. having little corners of places, but they were in this hotel and off the freeway was a, um an Outback Steakhouse and it was the only restaurant. And that's a chain of steakhouses here in the U.S. that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, australian you know that's the yes. commercials yes. and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell the story you'll have to talk to randy at some point because i don't okay. want to ruin his story but it's okay. a very very funny story of a waitress and olivia newton john at an outback steakhouse okay so, <laughs> so sorry everybody that's a little a teaser <laughs> a little teaser
0: yes having seen olivia in interviews i remember i saw her she was um at sun city in south africa i think it was 1982 mm-hmm. 1983 i was Wow. Six or seven years old, I saw her live in concerts. Uh, she seemed very much down to earth, everyone equal, no airs and graces about her. And am I correcting my perception of it?
1: You, you are correct times a thousand. Um, yeah. When anybody would ever say to me, and it's been, it's been kind of emotional recently. They just did a, uh, there's a Nevada Ballet Theater does this Woman of the Year event here in las vegas and a few years back when olivia was doing her residency they honored olivia um so this year when they they were honoring leah thompson uh the actress from back to the future uh, yes who knew she started as a ballet dancer when they were doing that they did an entire section this year as a tribute to olivia and they replayed some of her speech and some of the video and people would say oh my god i just saw olivia's tribute was she really that nice and i said guys look she, if you were in a co- sitting here with her and having a conversation with her she would not be want to be talking about herself. Yes. She would be asking you a question. If you said, "Well, what do you do?" "I'm a plumber." "Oh my god, that must be interesting. How many jobs do you do each day?" Like she was very much interested in what everybody else had to say. Not she, she's like, "I know about me. I don't need to know about me. I want to know about you." And that's who she was. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and, it, and it may sound like, you know, you know, "Oh, yeah, sure, sure." No, that really is who she was. I mean, there was a time we were in Australia. We did a um what were we were down there for. Oh, we were down there I had booked her to do uh Mardi Gras in 2008. Yes. And it was quite hilarious because, you know, I'm not a night owl. She's not a night owl.
0: Um, this, uh, are you, you know
1: what we get on I'm the same (laughs) as you guys. (laughs) Yeah, carry on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm that crazy person who wakes up at 430 in the morning and, you know, but by seven, I'm in my, my sweatpants (laughs) with a glass of wine watching Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) Yes. Got you. There we go. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm a total game show nut. You know, if you get me Wheel of Fortune and prizes, right, I will win. My husband keeps telling me, go on these shows, win us some money. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, she, um, my mind totally went straight off the, the subject. So uh, you went she was, to Mardi was, Gras? Oh, it was Jim. Yeah, so yeah. Mardi Gras. So we're at Mardi Gras. And I don't know if you know much about it, but they do this huge Mardi Gras parade uh in downtown Sydney on George yeah. Street. And they had put us up in this VIP. It was like a, I think it was some restaurant that they had closed. You know, the Mardi Gras team mm-hmm. obviously reserved it. And it had a giant balcony. And we were out on the balcony looking down watching the parade. And as they're watching the parade, we hear, Livia! and we turn around and it's Lorna Luft. And Lorna had done Greece too, exactly yes. with Matt. So Olivia yep. knew Lorna from from Matt in Greece uh, in Greece too. So and she was there doing some cabaret show because it was Mardi Gras, gay. Oh, you know Judy's yep. daughter. You know Judy Garland's <laughs> daughter. Let's do it exactly. And. Then we hear Livia. and of course, you know, we're used to that, but you know, not always the same people. And I turn around, and it's Baz Lerman and his wife. So, so we watched the Mardi Gras parade with Amy Sky. Amy was there as well. Um, And then at nine o'clock, my little alarm went off nine p.m. And I said, "Okay, Lib." The alarm just went off. She goes, "Oh, okay. Oh, but this is so much fun. But okay, let's go." So we went back. We got in a limo. It took us back to the hotel. We went to sleep. I set the alarm for 2 a.m. She said, set the alarm for 2 o'clock. And what time do we have to leave? I said, I think they're coming to get us at like 3 a.m. Because she was performing at 4 a.m.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And luckily, they had all the barricades, the roads closed, and they oh. took us through all those barricades. So we weren't dealing with major traffic. But I went to her room at around 2.15ish, 2.20. And uh, I had she had pre-ordered breakfast. So we're sitting in her room eating like scrambled eggs and and biscuits, having coffee. And I looked at her and I said, who booked this? <laughs> <laughs> and she started laughing and uh, I started laughing. And it was one of those things we got down there and she did the performance. It was insane. I have never in my life felt I was in the, the front with um uh, Greg Cave, who she owned Gaia with. So it was Greggy and I who were, Greg was with us as well. Uh, so I was sitting there and the minute she walked out 20,000 gay men without shirts on with their arms in the air, dancing to Xanadu, it sounded like there were a thousand lions behind us. I have never, I'm getting goosebumps just telling the story. And so that was a moment when it was done, we went up to the VIP section and there were maybe about 50 people up there. Um, You know, Kathy Griffin was up there, Lance Bass, uh, I think Carson Kressley was up there, but all these uh gay icons or performers or, or LGBTQ allies, they were all there from the U S and I remember the first thing Olivia did was, you know, they started taking pictures and the first thing she said when pictures were done, she says, now, does anybody else need a photo? Is everyone? Okay. 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 And she wanted to be sure everyone had a photo before we went and had a drink and watched, you know, the rest of the, the so she was very much about other people. It wasn't, it wasn't. Oh, look at me! Look at me! And of course, everybody was fanning over her, and 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 lovely. You know, not in a stalker crazy way. Yes, we yes, yes, those yes, As well, Um just in a very loving. And and the thing about her fans, and I will say, and she would say it all the time. She said, "How blessed am I that I have fans who are just lovely people?" Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's the odd one here or there. I mean, everybody has those, <laughs> yes. and and we knew who they were. <laughs> <laughs> but she, even with them, she was always you know, kind and sweet because it, it is truly her mother. That's how she was raised. Her sister, everybody was that way. You know, her, her sisters, her nieces, her nephews, the, the whole family. It's, it's a, I think it's a Newton John thing.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mentioned Xanadu. Now I love Xanadu. I've watched it 50 million times. And I know the, <laughs> the crit the, the critics, you know, panned it even though the, the music was so successful and the songs are number ones on the charts and that, Besides Xanadu, there were a couple of other things in her career that were sort of panned or, you know, looked at negatively by the media or critics. Did that, that mm-hmm. ever get her down or did she say, oh, whatever, just I'm um, doing my best and let's just carry on and go for it?
1: Well, you know, I wasn't with her, obviously, when Xanadu came Yes,
0: out. of course, yes. Um, yeah. I,
1: I I was in junior high school. <laughs> I, I, I I was 12 in 1980, so. <laughs> yeah, I was fine. Um, yeah okay this interview is now over (laughs) (laughs) um you know I, I think back in the day it probably hit her a little more but you know since I've been with her I mean again I was 98 the only time she ever spoke about Xanadu was always about how much she loved the music yes you know she always she had acknowledged that the movie had script issues and you know every day they were getting different script pages which is never i don't know how many people know about movies but when you're getting changes to script pages every single day on set that's not a good sign because it means the writers and producers and directors are not happy with the direction it's all going but olivia you know i'm sure at the time was positive it was it was a great time in her life obviously um as she would call it it was her britney period you know uh you know later in you know in the years, you know, recent years, last, you know, 15 years, you know, obviously with the Xanadu Broadway musical, uh, a friend of mine is the publicist who handled the show and he called me, he goes, Oh my God, what's it going to take to get Olivia here? I said, an invitation. And, (laughs) you know, um, and they were very lovely. I I think they made a a nice donation to her cancer and wellness center in Australia and uh, Olivia, and this goes back to who she was. She said, Oh, well we have to make sure John Farah is there. This wouldn't have happened without John. So yeah. John, of course, you know, they invited John and John joined us. And it was, I, I remember that night was just magical because her whole team was all family. I mean, it's one thing when you're working with someone and at the end of the day, you're like, Oh my God, get me away from this person. I need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Olivia, it was completely opposite. Everybody on the team, um, we didn't call the team, everyone in the family was, we could work really hard all day long. And then the first thing she would say is oh go put your 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 jammies on and let's go order room service and watch a movie and we'd order club sandwiches and you know cheeseburgers for me <laughs> <laughs> um and we'd watch a movie so for her she loved the the, the music she was always she said the music was always she because he loved the yellow um and obviously john farah wrote amazing songs yes you know next to physical magic obviously being her her next biggest hit i'm personally and i love this because it's I I used to joke with her, say, I think in your gay gene, when you're born, Xanadu is playing when your mother is giving birth. Because to me, Xanadu is like the the quintessential gay anthem. I just love
0: it. Also being part of the LGBTQ family. So when I was little, and this is why when I started doing interviews for the podcast, Olivia was like on the top of my list to start reaching out for artists to interview. So when I was little, three, four, five years old, I couldn't fall asleep without my record player playing. And it sure. wasn't kids' show. Who was it? It was Xanadu, it was Greece, it was ABBA, and it was Boney M. So if that wasn't the signs, then that the nothing was.
1: <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so yeah, so
0: Olivia put me to sleep figuratively for maybe five or six years of my life, almost every second night. <laughs>
1: oh god yeah so my i have an interesting story when i first when i was i think it was 1974 so again i was six Mm -hmm. um and i can't remember what award show i think it was people's choice or american music i don't remember which one it was but Mm -hmm. whatever it was in 1974 75 i had a stomach flu and i was up and i was sick and my mother was watching tv so my mother let me sit up with her and watch whatever she was watching and olivia came out on and i think she sang um have you never been mellow mm-hmm. and i just remember as this little six-year-old gay boy in training <laughs> just like looked at the tv and i like fell in love and i, I told olivia that story you know, a couple of years after we started working together and i said oh yeah i said you yeah, know well i first discovered years so it wasn't greece i said greece you know i loved greece don't get me wrong you know, i remember seeing it in the drive in in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey with my cousins who were out visiting us from the Bronx.
0: <laughs> and
1: we all got our Dr. Dentons on and we, you know, those are the pajamas with the feeties in the bottom yeah. of them. Uh, and we would sit, we sat in the back of my dad's Oldsmobile and we watched Grease and we all went home singing it, you know, in the cars, all you know, little, I think I was, I was 12 years old, I think. Yeah. Um, 10 years, sorry, 10 years old, 1978, because yeah. I was born in 68. And I just remember, you know, just how joyful that all was. But, but going back to the Xanadu thing, so when, when we did the Broadway, I've never heard her laugh so hard yeah. as to watching Carrie Butler play her. And Carrie, after the show, said to her, Oh my God, I was so nervous. You were going to be upset with me. You're going to be upset with me. And Olivia goes, Oh my God, you took the piss out of me perfectly. She said, You had me down to my knobby knees while I was roller skating. <laughs> 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 so, so it was, uh, it, it was a, a fun time. And she also would always talk about Kenny Ortega, how Kenny was years ahead of, of, the curve with break dancing. And remember this was before flash dance with the, the break dancing and all that kind of yes, stuff. So exactly. Kenny, you know, people forget that. I don't think the movie gets the, the credit. Mm. Um Again, script was bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still loved it. And I watched it. Oh, no, the listen, movie movie. I, I love yeah.
1: it. Look, <laughs> you know, that, that's a movie that no matter who you turn it on and it, it, it's that, oh my God. It's, I work with Ian Ziering as well. And Ian did a series of movies called Sharknado it's so oh, bad yes. it's yeah. good yeah. you know it's so it's so bad it's good like you can't stop watching it but again the music was yeah. always there and john farah wrote an amazing you know bunch of songs for her for that um and you know again i think you know she she celebrated that it became the cult classic not just on stage but you know the, i mean they i don't know what they do uh in your part of the world but you know they do these screenings here in cemeteries Cemetery. in okay. in in art houses, yes. you know the Hollywood Cemetery, Hollywood Lawn Cemetery, did a screening of it. I think it was last year. I think it was last year after she had passed, and you know it's it's and it's a huge thing. I mean, like thousands of people, like three thousand people, all gather in this cemetery to watch. I mean, it's it's like if your movie gets chosen for that, you have literally become a cult classic. Okay, uh, and she used to go to them. She went to one in Hollywood once, a midnight showing of it, and sat at the back, and uh, you know. And she loved it. She loved watching people be joyful. That was anything that would bring someone joy was something that brought her joy. And I think that was the most important thing in her life. Next to Chloe.
0: Keeping her legacy alive, Mm -hmm. what's the way forward? Well, honestly, um,
1: you know, I I just returned uh, from Australia, as you know, um, where, you know, I helped produce the State Memorial, which is the most important event that I've ever worked on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to be exactly what i think i that she would have wanted it to be and i think i i i nailed it i hope um i didn't you know i i wanted it to be respectful emotional but there had to be laughter um olivia was all about laughter it's the thing i miss most about her is that that cackle um you know luckily i i have so many voicemails saved her calling and singing me happy birthday and yeah, just funny little things because she could not remember things at all. So any of the fans out there, whoever, you know, felt, oh, my God, she didn't remember meeting. I'm like, she couldn't remember what she had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't say that in a mean way. She was open about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were doing her memoir, I you know said to her, you know, there are a couple things in there when I was helping go through and just, dis- you know, decipher what stories were going to be put in there and what was going to be there. And she would tell a story. But I'm like, but it wasn't at that period. It was at this period. Oh, my God, you're so right. I totally forgot. Thank God you you know my life better than me. (laughs) Um, And between myself and and Dana, who, yes, she's been with her longer than she's been with her since uh, we hired her when she filmed Greece. So summer of 1977. So Dana, you know, she was her right hand uh, through most of it. But moving forward for Australia, we just announced the Olivia's Walk for Wellness. That's going to continue. Chloe and John are going to take the baton from her and they're going to lead the walk. So we're all going to be back down in Australia in October. Obviously, the L&J Foundation, which is based here in the U.S., to help support studies and research into plant-based medicine to find the kinder treatments for cancer. Those are really the two things in her legacy, aside from her music. That mean the most. And I think if anyone out there wants to sit back and say, Hey, what can I do to help keep Olivia's legacy alive? I mean, obviously the music is always going to be there. The movies are always going to be there. It's a joy of, of, it's a comfort actually, yeah. because whenever I, you know, whenever I need to have my fix, I yes. can, you know, for me, I listen to the audiobook because I get to hear her. You know? Yeah. And that to me, I'm not going to get emotional, but that yeah. to me is, is a way for me to personally stay connected but for everybody else you know and i know it's so you know so many people who are trying to raise funds for so many important things but you know the reality is the wellness programs in australia will not continue if we don't raise those those funds because the government doesn't pay for it as many people know so you know i'd say hey support you know go to chloe's walk page um you know and that's actually we're going to be sharing a lot of that on olivia's socials as well to keep that that Legacy rolling, um, I'm actually walking again, and I'm happy to say I'm always one of the top fundraisers. I think last year I raised twenty five thousand oh, wow. dollars so uh, so that that's my my way of of telling everybody this is what you can do because I know we all love the music, but you know in in the end, it was her work with with cancer. Yeah. And to make not so much just the research, because the research is super important, but to keep these programs that were so important to her. And I've been there and I know it's, it's easy when you're watching interviews on TV and you see her talking about it. Her go, like, OK, yeah, we're promoting this. When you're actually in that hospital and you're walking with her and we would be there, we would do all the media and we would then she'd insist on walking the wards because she wanted to go in and, you know, there was always for media purposes, you know, three or four patients that they would have cameras and we'd film and take photographs. And, you know, obviously we would always get permission from whoever it was first, you know, because don't ever want to exploit anything. That was extremely important to her was to not cross any lines with people. But as you can imagine anybody going through a cancer journey to have her walk into a room, it was like literally light beamed in from every window and I would hear from nurses because we'd be there for multiple days doing other things, meetings and discussions about other things we were going to do to raise funds beyond the walk. And I would have nurses stop me and her in the hallway. And the nurses would be tearing up, saying, They're still smiling from you coming in here. And the minute the camera stopped rolling, you'd think, you know, celebrity, okay, what's next? Yeah, Yeah. Olivia Olivia would say, Can we just stop for a cup of tea? And then I want to see the rest. And she would then walk all of the wards. She'd walk the the wards, she'd walk the palliative care wards, which is named, at that ward is named after her mother, Irena. I couldn't do it the last year um before COVID because we didn't do it uh, after COVID. In 2019, uh, October, 2019, we were down there for the walk and I had just lost my mom in May. And I walked into the first room with her and I held it together. <laughs> I stood in the corner Um and, she would take on all of that energy with such grace and light and knowing well, cause I knew what she was going through, you know, and you, to have her walk yeah. out and she would be emotional, but she would never get emotional in that room. She yeah. was a pillar of strength and she walked out of that first room and I literally lost it. And she took me around a corner and we're sort of like some, by the loo or something yeah. I remember. And she was, hugged me, and I ugly cried, snot on her shoulders, I'm sure, um, you know, tears, and I said, honey, I can't, I can't do this this time, and she goes, just go back down to the wellness center, I'll be down there, you know, in an hour, I said, are you sure you're okay, so her assistant Madonna would stay with her, or Tati, I think Toddie was with her that trip, because Tati is an amazing, she's, again, another amazing human being, between Chloe, Tati, John, I mean, they're just amazing people. And. I just thought, okay, you know what? The strength of this woman was not being able to tour and do concerts. The strength is to take that on. Cause I don't know how, if you've dealt with someone with illness or someone who's in palliative care. It, it's a lot. Yeah. And she took it in and again, to see these people and especially the families on the palliative care ward when they, when she would walk out of that room. We knew eventually what was going to happen with the patient. Yeah. But what that brought the families and, you know, the letters and notes that we got from families after family member passed or whatnot, it would bring Olivia to tears. And she didn't know these people, but to see them say to her, if we didn't have the wellness center, we would not have been able to get through this. Cause it's not just for the patients. It's for the families. Yeah, so correct. you can just go down there and there truly is. I mean, I really feel her like this last trip I was down there and it was really hard to be in that room yeah. because I remember we were back in her house in Malibu when it was all first starting, going through the plans and they had sent plans and this is when plans were coming on, you know, cardboard printouts, you know, via via FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> and there were these arched windows. And there was one plan where they were gonna block off a couple of the windows so that they could do these giant art pieces and then they're archway windows. And she said, No, 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 not this one. We need light the wellness center needs to be filled with light Yeah, and that's who she was. She was filled with light. And that's, that's, you know, that's how I'm always going to remember her. And my job moving forward is to keep the legacy of the, the wellness center, to keep the legacy of the, fo- the foundation here. Cause plant medicine was such a huge part, of her, her recovery and her treatment and of course her music. I mean, look, you, all you need to do is turn on her music. And for me, yeah, you just smile. Oh, I was going to say, yes, the,
0: absolutely yeah, and that voice. Yeah. And I couldn't. And
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't listen to her music, probably up until just before the memorial. Yeah, I'm still getting emotional.
0: Yeah. So before we both uh, burst into tears, <laughs> as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say?
1: Just thank you for always being there for her, whether I was with her when you met her or whether I was there when she was reading your letters or whether I was there at a concert watching you all just throw her love, you know, just keep that going, keep that alive, you know, um, know there's always someone who needs light and just be kind in a world that is unfortunately not very kind right now. Mm. And, you know, I, I look to her and, and my mom, the two of them were It was all about kindness. My mother used to always say to me, and Olivia was exactly the same way, be loving, be kind, be forgiving. So, yeah, if we could all do that. And like I said, just, you know, support, support the mission moving forward. You know, Chloe has a long road ahead of her and she is through the difficulty and through the darkness. Her mother is bringing her light. Um, I'm watching her. I've known her since she's a little girl. She's blossoming into this amazing woman. And like this walk for her is like carrying on her mama's torch and i want it to be successful so you know you know, donate to the pages you know support it share it if you don't have the funds a dollar you know if you don't have a dollar share it on your social media because you know people are going to buy the music um you know we've seen that we've seen you know there's new music you know coming as you guys have seen with the dolly parton duet with the Vanessa Amorosi, there's another new song coming that has not been released. Um, and there's a lot more music coming with Primary Wave We're, we've got, you know, four or five more projects through 2024 and I think a couple more after that. So just be kind. You know, that's, that's, that's what she would want. She'd want you to be, be kind and, and be loving to everybody.